Hey there, listeners. We have a content warning for today's episode. We just want to let you guys know in advance, we are planning on discussing the current events that have been going on in the Denver area and around our nation, primarily from the perspective of us in Colorado. But we are going to be discussing topics like police brutality, racist violence, and white supremacy. We understand that those are sensitive issues for some of our listeners, and we want to make sure that we're upfront about that being part of the content of today's show. So thanks and happy listening. Everybody, we are My Side of the Fence. We are a quarantine podcast comprised of two neighbor friends talking about what life in a pandemic is like. This week's episode, as the content warning uh, beforehand uh, gave you a heads up, we are talking about some very tough, difficult subjects. Uh, but first, we want to try and talk, you know, catch up with each other and see how each other's week is going otherwise, you know, do a mental health check. Uh, Caitlin, how's your week been going so far? You know, all things considered, it's been a fairly productive week. I think this weekend, you know, obviously took a turn with how quickly all of the things that are going on with the protesting and uh, the things with our president have kind of escalated, added a strange right. new set of stressors. <laughs> um, I think, you know, we uh, this is in fact a quarantine podcast, but very quickly what happened all this week has refocused and realigned our energies and seeing, you know, some of the things that have been going on and trying to figure out how we make our responses, as we talked a little bit about last week in the podcast, I think, you know, getting, um, yeah, our initial ideas of, you know, started with where we are, we didn't know when we right, how to be a, yeah. how to be a good ally, and how, you know, again, to shut our mouths and let the voices that need to be heard be heard, but also to provide support where we can. I know I've been, I was joking about this with a friend the other day. I've been, because I am personally unable to go in March, doing a number of reasons, both uh, related to my physical and emotional health, and then also to uh, the fact that I work in behavioral health care and a lot of people down at these protests, just like at the, you know, anti-stay-at-home protests are not wearing masks. I feel a moral and ethical obligation to not expose myself to COVID in in my advocacy. And uh, unfortunately, it's it's meant that I've had to be more creative in my ways to support the community and to support areas of social justice where I see injustice happening. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little later, some of those ways, and also uh, ways that we've learned and discovered over the course of this past week where there have been some really great resources that have come around. But other than that, you know, this past weekend, I planted some flowers I know. I'm so proud of you. You guys, she planted so many flowers. I'll I'll see if I kill many to all of them because I generally tend see, to. See, I'm more worried about the Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I've got I've got some tomato plants as well, but um mostly flowers. And cuz my patio is real uggo and it's not like ugly in that way where like if I like put a little a little spit on it, it'll be good. It's it's pretty ugly, so Put a bird on it. So I'm trying to just put some color back there and have it be cute and have it be something that I can look at and be like, oh, I have to go water that every so often or else it'll all die. <laughs> but don't water it too much or else it'll all die. And <laughs> <laughs> ah, the balancing act of being a garden caretaker, owner, caretaker. I mean, do you really own a garden or does it own you? No, I'm pretty sure I own it. That's what, uh, <laughs> that's what Chaffa told me. That's fair. I would say that the only thing I would be worried about is 
those GD squirrels. We've got some feisty squirrels, man. I don't know, man. They're living their best squirrel lives, but like... They are, but they don't need to eat our stuff. Like, does our stuff... Well, you know what? The squirrels, they (laughs) gots to live. They gots to do squirrel stuff. Yes. And... Every squirrel needs to eat. Every squirrel has its stuff. And some of the stuff is in our yards. Stuff. Stuff. (laughs) I don't know if you saw what I put on top of the carport. But I have this statue that my sister gave me from the bridal sh- the, my bridal shower, which was an AT-AT, uh, the famous AT-AT from Star Wars uh, Empire Strikes Back, where it's been pulled down into the snow. I've got that outdoor statue. So I put it on top of the carport <laughs> until I could get an actual, like, owl to, like, statue scare the squirrels. to keep them away. Nice. I'm, I don't know if it's working yet, but like, we'll find man, out. The rebel's um, already been here. Yeah. No, and I mean, that's. I think that's been helpful with just kind of the overwhelming flood of information. I think I've been trying to be very conscious of not, you know, posting a lot of pictures on, like, Instagram of, like, fun things that I've been doing. But, um, you know, trying to find time for myself is also important in oh, yeah. the middle of all of this chaos and awfulness and grossness of life yeah. currently. So, I mean, it's, it's trying to find that, that balance to say that, you know, I'm not, I don't want to take up internet real estate necessarily with like pictures of my pathetic little tomato plant but like it makes me happy and i know it's there so like i don't need instagram to validate that for me you know i think i think that's like the least i could do (laughs) literally the least i could do (laughs) doing other things but that's that's the you know and the end of things that are the least i can do that is that is one of them yeah so what other things have you been up to for well not you know not just to to help support the community at large but like like, what else have you been doing to take care of yourself mentally this week? It's, like you said, it's been a really rough week for... Right. I mean, I know us. you and I talked about wanting to, because uh, you and I have been on, on some some food consciousness kind of journeys about, you know, what we put in our bodies and uh, with varying levels of success, success and also with the gyms still <laughs> closed, um, we've talked about it on the show where, you know, there's some, there's some difficulty in finding avenues to work out creatively it's also getting hotter outside which makes it miserable to be outside for people like me that are (laughs) winter monsters it's like the one thing i really enjoy about colorado is that like the winter is so cold i enjoy it so much because you can get more warm you can't get like more cool at a certain point you can't get less yeah i mean that's what my mom always says is you can always put more clothes on if you're cold Mm -hmm. but if you're too hot there's a point where you legally have to stay hot. I think I've because you can't take. I think off. I have a little bit of lingering <laughs> trauma from like ten years ago when I first moved to Colorado and I lived in this apartment complex that the AC kept breaking down and they kept saying they were going to fix it, but like summer would co- come and go and like they wouldn't fix it, so it would get to be like a hundred degrees plus in my apartment with all the windows open, right. so and with fans going. So <laughs> I remember there was one night where like I was pretty sure I had heat stroke and like. I was taking cold showers, but, like, and I was getting chills. Like, I had to leave. I had to, like, go stay somewhere else for the night because I physically couldn't Ugh. be at home anymore. And so, like, part right. of that for me, whenever I feel that hot, I think about what it felt like to be, like, you know, completely, like, almost not in control of my own body at that point. And it was, like, very scary right, for me. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, I hate it when it's super hot. But, like, oh, we yeah. talked about um, trying to be more mindful of, like, our bodies and, like, what we're putting in our bodies, specifically food-wise. And so in anticipation of the big grocery shop that I had done this weekend to, you know, starting Monday of this week to make a commitment to not eating out for 30 days um, and eating more healthy choices at home and at least more home cooked 
varieties of things that generally have fewer calories than what you would buy at the store or at a fast food place. My husband and I, uh, our our producer, Ryan, we ordered (laughs) an enormous amount of steak from Texas Roadhouse and just ate all of the things. Oh, the dream. I know, it was so good. <laughs> we actually, like, had to plan it in advance, because we were like, we want to have, like, one epic night of just feasting, and we yes. don't want to, like, actually go to a restaurant and sit down, so we're gonna have to, like, order, like, an absolutely ridiculous amount of food and bring it home, <laughs> and so we ordered, you know, steaks and sides, and the, the main impetus to all of this was that both of us had decided we wanted a Bloomin' Onion, but we didn't want to go to Outback Steakhouse, and right, Texas fair. Roadhouse has... Something that is not a Bloomin' Onion, but is very close. And we were like, we're doing that because it's like down the street and Outback Steakhouse is like way farther away and not as good overall. So that was our big to-do food-wise. And now we're, (laughs) like tonight we had salmon, so that was exciting. So we're trying to be better about the things that we put inside ourselves because we want our tummies to be happy and not full of sadness. (laughs) How about about you? What have you been, what have you been up to to take care of yourself? Uh, well... I've been doing as much as I can with everything going on. I, as we've talked about on the podcast, like I've got cystic fibrosis, so I can't be in the protest, but a couple of my friends and I, we actually um, collected donations in order to make kits filled with like eyewash to help with people out of a pepper spray. We had like sunscreen aloe vera on hand so that way the aloe vera can help with burns baby shampoo too just like little ki- homemade kits made with love um to and snacks people. yeah snacks. uh people love snacks little snacks we had mix we had uh, peanuts and we had nature valley uh bars and fruit snacks yes. and yeah so we we ended up passing those out uh at cheeseman park in denver so we were far enough away from the main action that there wasn't a chance of me getting sick from you know the fact that there's also unfortunately still a pandemic going on and also keeping me away from the pepper spray which would also be harmful to my my cystic fibrosis yeah we've heard some some pretty scary reports about tear gas and pepper yeah. spray and you know, some of that being used at like point blank range when it's meant to kind of oh be dispersed gosh. over an area if you are going to use it and even you know the idea of using it is pretty gross some of those supplies that some of those at least agencies have unfortunately are very out of date which can cause chemical changes to the to the ingredients in in tear gas and pepper spray which can make them even more dangerous and i i don't know what denver they i mean they obviously are not super transparent about their procedures with those materials (laughs) i feel like they should be they should be reporting that to someone you know i don't know like there should be like a you know accountability program. That, you <laughs> at would least think there that. would be some transparency for the the military grade materials that were used in this weekend's protests against sure protesters, so. but uh, unfortunately not. So a lot of those pellets are meant to be shot like at a ceiling, and then like it's supposed to rain down on people, but they're shooting it. Like you said, at point blank range, which is not at all how they're supposed to be used. Right. I mean, it's like. You know, the, the, the colloquially termed uh, rubber bullets, which are really not that, but rubber bullets are meant to be pointed at the ground and to ricochet back up and to, like, hit an agitator or whoever in the leg and to slow them down and make it... Off. Well, and really to disperse crowds, right? So yeah. these tools are not being used as they're meant to be used, which I think you saw some of that this weekend. We all saw it on our different feeds that we have available to us online. I know there's a lot of misinformation out there, so I hesitate to talk about some of the things we saw. But, you know, what was what was your experience like being on the ground for this weekend's activities? So it was a little bizarre. 
uh, because we were a little bit further away from the main demonstrations and the main marches and everything, there was definitely a sense of privilege where we were. Cheeseland Park is one of the nicer, quote unquote, nicer parks that's right off Capitol Hill in the Denver area. And it was surreal because there were people that were waiting to meet up with others to go to the demonstration who were like wearing long sleeves. So they hide any recognizable tattoos or anything like that. You know, they they were dressed in order to go to a protest and then not 12 like yards away from us. There were a couple in like barely their exercise gear doing couples yoga on top of each other. Like there were people having brunch in the park and it was just this really strange and uncomfortable dichotomy of just disconnect. Like there, there's a groups, groups, these groups of people that just either don't somehow know or they don't care. And like, it was very surreal. It felt like the twilight zone, like mm-hmm. that we had. Really there's something, there's something real going on just down the street. You know, yeah. there's something that is, is talking about life and death and it's got to be really strange to see people not even acknowledging that reality. Right, exactly. And I mean, we kind of planned, the way that my group and I planned to dress was more, we actually wanted to blend in with the crowd at the park just because we didn't want to bring attention to ourselves because we didn't, we were, the way we we were doing what we were doing was to stay safe so that way we don't end up in harm's way. Right. Um, which I think is important to remember that. Well, to provide safe medical. haven for people that are going in and experiencing what's going on down in the main part of the protest area. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's to be a place where people can come away and not be targeted. And so I was wearing like my full Karen uniform of my yoga pants and my yoga jacket. But like, I mean, I knew what I was doing there and I knew the motive behind why we were there and. You know, I can't speak for everybody at that park and say they don't know what's going on, but it was very weird. Like, Well, I think we talked a little bit last week about, you know, privilege, especially from white privilege perspective, right? Where white folk at large tend to have the ability to choose whether they're going to opt in to difficult conversations and difficult actions which includes protesting and being part of any kind of political movement, taking a side, you know, it's very tempting to just say, I, you know, wish everyone could just love each other. And there's ways to to have that conversation lovingly, right? Yeah. And to be involved in a loving way. But I think it, it really, you know, what you guys experienced in the park is such a classic example of, well, I wanted my brunch. I got my brunch. My level of involvement is done. And the ability to have to, you know, the ability to be able to opt out and say that that's that's enough for today is yeah. really striking i think and exactly. that's the kind of thing that i think you and i have been talking about like how do we challenge those those norms among our fo- our fellow white white people you know how do we how do we challenge and have those conversations about like why that inaction is in in its in itself an action because exactly it's saying i effectively it's saying i don't care right and i mean the main reason that we left is because we started feeling uncomfortable with this one group of people that kept like was just weirdly hanging out for like half an hour, like in the parking area near us and like watching us. And like one person pulled out their camera. So we all were like, OK, it's time to go. So as we were breaking down, we were trying to get to our friend's apartment 
uh, to drop off some of the stuff. And we were trying to turn right to go eastbound on Colfax. And these protesters just walked in front of our car. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, you don't want to go down there. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to my friend's house. to." And she, they're like, no, no, there is pepper spray. Get out now. And mm-hmm. so as we like fled out of downtown Denver, we were on Broadway and we passed this top this taco shop i don't remember the name and honestly i don't feel like disparaging them on the podcast just because it is what it is but like we had just left basically a giant mess of civil unrest that was escalating quickly (laughs) quickly uh because dpd keeps escalating things uh which we'll talk about but um this this taco shop like their back patio was their outdoor patio was packed with people Mm-hmm. And my friend just looks, leans out the window and goes, where are your masks? Like, they were so, they were so ready, like, just so already on edge, like, you know, right. like, that was like the straw for them. They were like, where are your masks? And like, like, we're out here honestly, trying to do this as safely as we can and still getting, you know, wrecked and, right. and we've tried by and see this, this hot nonsense. Yeah, exactly. And like, it honestly did make me laugh and feel a little bit better because like, yeah. It broke the tension, but I mean, you know, I got a little bit of a crap from family about going down um, at all because yeah. at all they wanted to make sure I was doing the social distancing properly. And I, I told them, I was like, the people I'm with have been in their house for at least a month wearing masks and we all stayed at least four feet apart from each other outside, but we tried to make sure it was the minimum of six. Like right. we were smart about it. We all had hand sanitizer masks. Uh, we are wiping down stuff as we are making these kits. Like there was thought put into it, but then just yeah. to think, like we put all this thought into this, and then you just see people that don't care. Well, like, just like you, you were talking about, you know, wiping everything down and doing things in a responsible way because you feel like, yeah, there's a responsibility I have to be here and to do something, yeah, and exactly. trying to find ways to do that that still fit within, you know, health and safety standards. I think is is the best that you can do. I mean. And that's, you know, where I, I kind of hit my conundrum over the weekend with, with really being unable to go down there and where my efforts went over the weekend, a mix of the usual, like s- trying to signal boost voices that are connected to the community and, and that are really the ones that should be showcased while all this is going on for the actions they're taking for the better. And then also throwing my money into the the void of <laughs> available places that my money can go. You know, I, I, I donated to the to the Minnesota Minneapolis Freedom Fund over the weekend. They actually have gotten so many donations that they've asked folks to look at other bail assistance groups to to get those resources kind of spread around a little bit. Because I think they're having to mm-hmm. spread some of those resources around themselves now that they have a surplus. Yeah. Which I know you had sent me some organizations that are accepting funds like Reclaim the Block, the BLM Frontline Fund, and other freedom funds like we were just talking about for um, bail right. relief across the country. So, and, and like what you guys did, which is, you know, reached out to the community looking for funds to be able to create those safe haven packets for people and using that money towards those good meet, those good ends has been the way that we've been able to actually have an impact this past weekend and not just be the white people who are kind of wandering into this event <laughs> looking for guidance and looking for, you know, well, how can I help? Because I think there's there's really been a backlash. And I, I, I know, you know, the, the how can I help is very well intentioned. I think there's a lot of people that, you know, 
I don't think the people that are saying that are saying it to be obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But really, the like we talked about last week, the responsibility is on us to find out how we can be helpful and how we can make ourselves useful, as opposed to people who are already in the middle of it and like don't have time to explain things and to say, yes, you should send money to this exact place. Like If you yeah. go online, you can find reputable places to send your money to make a difference and... It hasn't been hard to find this weekend to especially find like personal connections for people in other cities that know what organizations are good and on the up and up. So, I mean, it's really not that hard. You guys, you know, Google's there. I mean, Instagram of all places has been a really helpful resource for people posting stories with like links to different ways and means to be of service. Yeah. And I actually found one oddly enough and people give TikTok a lot of flack because it deserves it, but, um, and I still enjoy using it, but luckily I've curated a feed that is very inclusive, all different cultures and races. And, um, I actually found, uh, blacklivesmatter.card.co through them, which is a massive, massive resource. Like they have everything from where you can sign free petitions from where you can, donate to where a protest is where lost where people that have disappeared during protests who their information so you can maybe help find them like they even have like articles of every single police brutality incident that has happened basically since ferguson mm-hmm. uh, probably even further i honestly like i could only, i'm gonna play my white privilege card here but i could only read so far before i had to stop reading um because <laughs> i was exhausted but also very important note that if you are a white ally and you are feeling exhausted, just imagine what it's like to be at the uh, in the black community right now. It's they're how are right. they awake, you know? But um, but yeah, the Black Lives Matter website that will will I think we'll get it on our socials later this week. But it ha- it is a huge resource, and I'm so glad that I found it and I was able to like post about it, like for because I've had some of my friends who. Again, they're already exhausted enough and they've they've messaged me and they're like, I'm just tired of doing the emotional labor for everyone. And I'm like, right. yeah, I don't blame you. I was like, send them to me. I will tell them where to go. Well, and my, my favorite, you know, thing to say when people say I feel overwhelmed, I don't know how to learn more. You know, I don't, they don't want to Google. They don't want to ever, right. you know, my, my favorite response. And I, I mean this sincerely from the bottom of my heart, read a book. Um, and we've, we've done some of the work for you. We found some books you can read. I can tell you yeah, about some of them did. now. I've read some of them myself. Um, I'm not going to lie because becoming an ally is a journey that you go on. And so the first couple of these I've read and then some of them I haven't and I'll let you know. Uh, the first that I really recommend is Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, which is the whole book is an extended letter to his son. And it's talking about what it's like to come of age as a black man, you know, post Eric Garner's death, post, you know, Tamir Rice. And what does it mean to live in this world knowing who you are and how to how do you become who you are knowing that you're in this world? It's a very impactful book. I actually listen to the audiobook of a lot of these because I use Overdrive and Libby to get these books from my local library. So you can still social distance and get your books. And if you need more if you need more information about those, we have a whole episode. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> That's true. We have we have talked about some of those resources before, but you know, again, uh, we we're happy to answer any questions relating that kind of stuff as well because like for for instance, I didn't know a year ago that you could do that and all of a sudden That's it true. opened up this whole world of books to me that now, you know, 
I've read a lot of them, which is very exciting. Um, another really, really solid read is So You Want to Talk About Race. And I am going to butcher her name. I follow her on Twitter and I feel really terrible because I've heard people say it in interviews and my mouth stumbles over her name. It is Ijoma Oluo. And that is as close as I think I'm going to get. I am so sorry. I'm so deeply sorry. Her her name is spelled I-J-E-O-M-A-O-L-U-O. But just really good conversations about, you know, you are a, a, a white people. And how does your... How, how do you impact the world around you? And how can you be better about that? And how can you take the implicit bias that you have and do something with it and learn more and understand your place in in this system and how to ultimately dismantle it there's also a book called that these are two i haven't let read these next two how to be less stupid about race which is by crystal fleming I read some excerpts title. from that looked really solid and then one that i saw pop up on a lot of people's lists was a book called uh white fragility it's a new york Times bestseller and the sub uh, the sub line is why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism by Robin D'Angelo. There's a really good passage that I just really quickly wanted to uh, read from that book because I think this is, this is on my next list of things to read and it caught my attention. Quote, I believe that white progressives cause the most daily damage to people of color. I define a white progressive as any person who thinks he or she is not racist or is less racist or in the choir or already gets it. White progressives can be the most difficult people most difficult for people of color because to the degree we think we've arrived, we will put our energy into making sure that others see us as having arrived. None of our energy will go into what we need to be doing for the rest of our lives, engaging in ongoing self-awareness, continuing education, relationship building, and actual anti-racist practice. White progressives do indeed uphold and perpetuate racism, but our defensiveness and certitude make it virtually impossible to explain to us how we do so, end quote. So I think, you know, that's why we're having this conversation like that passage alone is that it's, it's impossible to be a perfect ally and it's a journey where you continue to educate yourself so that others can actually move themselves forward into a better place. And so that was, I was really excited to share some of those resources and I hope that some of you actually read them because it would make me very happy personally. So go, go make me happy and read a book. (laughs) Well, that, and we found out, Earlier last week that Amy Cooper is a white liberal, the woman with the dog in Central Park. Yeah, we talked about it at length last week. Yeah, we did. Other than than the fact that she's a white liberal, there's not really much of an update, but it's, it goes, it's really telling that, Mm -hmm. like, she knew what she was doing. Again, we talked about it, but still, it's, it's, it's incredibly disheartening when um, people that typical i don't want to i don't want to you know assume well they portray themselves as a picture of progressive progressive values and look how good i'm being on camera and then all of a sudden you know something like that happens and they're you know unfortunately exposed for who they are i mean maybe fortunately exposed for who they are i mean it kind of reminds me of the some of the clips that have been going around on social media in the last 48 hours are of cops who are walking with the protesters and they're kneeling with the protesters and what i see are a lot of uh my more moderate acquaintances and friends or those those folks that post a lot of the very you know pro acceptance pro love love everybody just smile and hug each other and those are the kind of people that are sharing those images right now and i think it's it's really telling that 
in a lot of those cases, not all of them, but in a lot of those cases, Denver included, shortly after those (laughs) pictures were taken of the chief of police kneeling with protesters, what was it? Less than an hour later, the order for tear gas was given. Five minutes. Five minutes. Jesus Christ. No, sorry. 45. 45. Okay. So, but we'll still. split the difference. 45 minutes. Um, and, right, yeah. <laughs> and that's the part, unfortunately, they've, they've gotten their photo up. And whether in the moment it was genuine or not, because I truly do believe that some of these folks are trying to have genuine interactions. I really do. Right. But it doesn't matter because less than an hour later, they authorized tear grass on a peaceful crowd. Exactly. And that's that's kind of something we've seen echoed in other areas where some of those images are coming out as well. And yeah. so I I would encourage people who are sharing those images to really consider why those images are available. Exactly. You know, who's who's gaining from that image being circulated? Because I don't think it's the protesters. I don't think it's anybody searching for justice. The, the main people benefiting from that are police who are decked out in riot gear and sitting with protesters for a very short period of time. And so, you know, consider, just like anything else, consider where your media is coming from and who's benefiting from it. Well, that and so I think there were, I mean, obviously we know about some of those reporters that, like, there's that one woman on Twitter who lost her eye. Who's a freaking rock star, by the way. Like, who's amazing. I, like, we were talking I, yesterday. I'm enjoying following <laughs> her on Twitter right now because, and apparently, right. from, from what I've heard from other journalists who've worked with her, that this is just kind of who she is as a person. She takes <laughs> things very much in stride, but she, yeah. she lost her eye from one of these, quote, rubber bullets. Yeah. And but she's um, a photographer. Luckily, it was not her photography eye. It was eye. not her photography eye, and she started making jokes about how she's going to be Odin with an eye patch, and she's going to bedazzle <laughs> it, and she's going to hide stuff in there to, like, scare people, and yeah. And she went back out, I guess she went back out into the crowd today, Yeah. Um, or at least she was Good planning to. So, I mean, there's some really just serious shit going on, and right. I, can't, I can't look away from when, you know, that brutality is happening well, that for the and- sake of something that makes... You know, makes you feel more comfortable because it's like, oh, maybe we're all people. Uh, <laughs> we I, are, I struggle. But we're not equal. That's the yeah, problem. I struggle with I struggle with the motives behind some of the the images that have been released that are you know right. these, these kumbaya images because we know for a fact what happens after. Right. That I think that's exactly what it is too because the reporters are constantly being attacked by the cops right now and. We've seen, we've like seen videos where cops are, I mean, they're taking aim, aim at the cameras, aim at, at the, the lenses. Cameras. Like, you could see down the barrel of their fucking, their, their CS gas guns. Like, yeah, I think the reporters are, if they're from a reputable news source, um, unlike some other animal named uh, news stations, um, they, uh, they're not falling for it because... The chief of police tried it again today. He tried to, like, kneel with the protesters. And it's like, really? Really? You, you really think we believe you after what happened this weekend? Like, and, like... Well, I, and there are... There are you, back to the journalists. I mean, there's journalists that have yeah. been... they've been, A lot of them have been roughed up by the cops. I mean, that oh, yeah. in and of itself is a problem. I mean, we've also seen some of the, the first responders who've gone down to the protests to help in the medical tents getting assaulted. Which is actually, yeah, like... An international uh, uh, conflict would be considered a war yeah. crime. Yeah, it's a war crime. So just throw, is, just so throw is that actually out there. tear gas. Tear gas is a war crime too. It's against yeah. the Geneva Convention. And so, but what we've apparently been not seeing against your own citizens. With some of these journalists that have been roughed up, we've been seeing journalists of color getting arrested for for doing their jobs, for wearing their press passes openly, 
which allows them or should allow them a certain amount of leeway to get where they need to get to do their jobs. We've seen instances where white members of a press team are not getting arrested and then the black member of the press team is getting arrested. Um, We saw, I saw a clip earlier today of a black FBI agent who (laughs) was being roughed up by police and he was trying to identify himself. And it was like, you guys are showing your asses, man. Like, this is not... This is not okay. Like this is. Well, they tear gassed a they tear gassed and arrested one of the senators from New York. Uh, when yes, he was I down saw there. that a state senator. Because yeah, he's a black man. Yeah. Um, and they also targeted the mayor's daughter, who is half black. Yes, I did see that. I mean, so, it's, um... it's 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 pretty clear. I mean, it's it's so consistently happening. It's it's impossible to deny. But yeah. That's the thing is that once it's it siphons down through all the levels of communication from people sharing primary sources to what's on the news to what, you know, the mayor of Minneapolis is saying, which like, you know, that's a perfect example, right, of disinformation that was coming out as he was saying after the first night of rioting, oh, none of the people that were arrested were actually from Minneapolis. So a lot of people felt very good about themselves saying, oh, the people of Minneapolis don't even want this. You know, a lot of these kind of moderate voices started chiming right. in saying, you know, well, we should just clean up Minneapolis and all these agitators who are from somewhere else, they they won't be doing this anymore. And then it came out later because arrest records are a matter of public record that actually, yeah. <laughs> yes, most of them, if not almost all of them, were citizens of that state and exactly. mostly of that city. And so, again, think about when you're hearing from some of these sources, is it a primary source? Is it happening in the moment? Are you seeing what's happening in front of you? Or are you listening to something that's happening at a press conference the next day? And who's benefiting from that information? Because exactly. the, the mayor of Minneapolis had to come out and apologize, you know, a day late and a dollar short because, you know, somebody's racist aunt from Topeka has already heard that it's outside agitators and it's Antifa yeah. and, you know, they're this group that's so organized and they're sending people in to, to agitate in an otherwise peaceful, nice place. When we know from the actual numbers that came out later that that's just not true, that it's really it's it's invalidating the the actual protests by saying, like, they're these quote, other people. Right. Yeah. And it's like you said, somebody's racist aunt. like it turns into this somewhat kind of anti-immigrant stance and that is also very demeaning and dangerous and like i that's another instance where i as a white woman who leans more towards the the left side and the liberal side of things like i had to come to terms with with like oh get out of colorado you guys can't drive like i realized how that could be interpreted and like with what's currently going on that's kind of what it's turning into is like these people are like oh it's not from here they're not from here when really it's agitated well first of all it's being agitated by the police officers and then people on the far right because when that pepper spray bomb went off at around or not yeah the pepper spray bomb that the cops set off on saturday when i was leaving was in retaliation to a pro-trump supporter who brought a homemade flamethrower to the protest and was actually saying to people that, yeah, he was saying that he wanted to injure people. Yeah. So it's not some weird outside foreign influence that's coming into our protests. It's not some other that you can just wave away as not really what the will of the people is. And again, it's, it's try. it's, I think it's, it's, it's a deliberate disinformation campaign to Mm -hmm. avoid acknowledging the voice and will of the people. Well, that and with the Denver protest, I think it was Friday night or maybe it was Saturday night. It was a Saturday morning, maybe. They were 
saying, oh, only one person was arrested last night. But, like, even the, the reporters on Twitter were like, well, we saw, like, six or eight people being taken back into a truck at least. Right. So, like, handcuffed. So, so where did those people go? And were they, were they officially arrested? Were they just, like, driven down the street and let go? Like, what happened? And where's that accountability? And who's, right. like... Well, and I think the And they thing don't want reporters to record either. Oh, that's absolutely not. I mean, because yeah. then again, you can have you can have someone go out the next day and say, "Well, here's you know, here's what really happened," and yeah. it can be complete BS, right? Like yeah. you just don't know. And I, I've been thinking. I have a couple friends who live downtown in in some of the areas where the protests were really prevalent. I was kind of touching base with them throughout the weekend. One was actually staying on the other side of town at a friend's house because they were scared. You know, they were like, yeah. you know, the the protesters can do what they do, but like. I, I need to keep myself safe and I need to be able to do what I need to do in my life to make my impacts where I make them and had to stay literally on the other side of town because the police activity made it too dangerous to be in their own home. Um, yeah. And then another friend who lives just off 16th street in one of the high rises nearby said that starting Saturday night and it's still going on, they've been trying to open their windows and unfortunately, even like however many stories up they live, there's been so much tear gas released just into the neighborhood that it's circulating through air conditioning systems in apartment buildings and like coming into their homes. And so she's been like choking all weekend in her own home, like trying to open all the windows, but like opening all the windows isn't much better because it's all outside. And it's just, it's awful. And it's really, it's, the impact is going far beyond and you know people are noticing that these things are happening even if they're not actively down there on the street in the protest their their lives are being impacted very adversely by the choices that the police are making to use this kind of force against a protest the people that i have that a live downtown and b are actually like i have one friend they've been at the protest every single day and They've been pepper sprayed more times than I can even imagine, which once should be never. Like <laughs> the the one time in my life where I've been tear gassed, I felt it for a week. Like, and yeah, I can't exactly. even imagine being out on the street and being in that close proximity to it constantly. Like, you're doing some serious damage to yourself. And I mean, like, props exactly. to them for 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 doing that because yeah. God knows it's 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 not good for you. Like, there's a reason no, it's, it's not. not used in most countries. But yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, they were like, they were done for the night on the stoop of their apartment. Like, they have a first floor apartment too, so Mm. they could just look right out the window. And like, the cop shot the pepper bullet, like the the shot out of the gun, pepper spray bullets at her window where her and her cat were both sitting. And it's just like, they were in their home and they were terrified. They were absolutely terrified of the fact that like they were being shot at in their own home and the problem is there's people saying well if you don't like it just go home but brianna taylor finished two shifts of being an emt at two different hospitals and was murdered in her home she was in shot her, eight in times her and died while she was asleep in her bed yeah. and then her boyfriend was charged for attempted murder against the cops who were undercover unmarked at the wrong house shooting into their house like forgive me for getting a little heated here but you can't tell somebody to stay home when obviously that's not a solution anymore right and i mean it's just the level of i've seen some of these videos online of just cops that seem super excited to 
play with their toys and play Call of Duty in real life and sing, you know, America, fuck yeah. The the South Park guys have a lot to answer for, for an entire generation whose minds apparently are poisoned now. They just didn't get the right message from that, but also uh, still accountability is accountability. The both sides-ism of a lot of that media, I think, is coming back to rear its ugly head in in a just insanely problematic way. But I mean, you know, I think you said you had found a video earlier today of there was an individual from dpd who was kind of inciting violence like that loudly and vocally yes officer thomas j mcclay decided that he and a few of his officer buddies were going to take a photo decked out in their probably millions of dollars worth of riot gear i mean obviously i'm exaggerating here but head to toe riot gear and his caption that he decided to put on it was, let's start a riot. So not only is he a Three Days Grace fan, which why, but he's a terrible human being kind of acknowledging the fact that the police are starting and inciting these riots. And, right. I mean, you know, DPD has said they're investigating it, but yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> it's just I mean, like, you know, you can we, we tell. We can all hold our breath, I guess, but no. you can't hold it that long. Unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not we know why we DPD. can't hold it that long. That's well, why we're doing and, this. <laughs> right. And, and and that's, again, I mean, I hate to go back to it. I, that's why these, these, these pictures of these cops who, you know, take five minutes out of their day to walk with the protesters or kneel for a second for a photo op. I mean, it's just so disingenuous. The change right. that I know that I would like to see and that, you know, I've, I've seen called for by, by voices more important than mine, turn in your fellow officers mm-hmm. that are doing this shit there are people there there are officers actually in the past that have tried to be good people and turn in their fellow officers that they see doing brutality and all kinds of other things and unfortunately the person who speaks up is usually the one that's punished even the way the people who have been trying to make an impact get squelched and squashed down over and over and over again it shows that the whole system is just broken it's broken and that's, you know, you can you can be a good person, but if you're operating within a system that is that toxic and that broken, you know, you can't even report someone for for putting physical harm against another human being who, who did not deserve, you know, whatever happened to them, then you need to consider your place in that. And why do you do you leave? Do you try to cause some kind of systemic change some other way? But this performative stuff just doesn't really cut it. Right. And when it's in the moment, because there's actually been quite a few instances this weekend of police officers that are escalating the situation, and another police officer, like, immediately pushing them away or down or, like, off of a person. And then, unfortunately, those people get fired. In Mm -hmm. Fort Lauderdale, there was a woman, a a female, black, black female cop. There was one of her fellow officers who was a white man. There was a girl with her hands up on her knees on the ground, And this white man comes and pushes her on, like, shoves her full force onto the ground. And this, the black female cop, like, chases him away behind the cars, like, full speed. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can tell, you can't hear her, but you can tell what she's saying. Like, you better knock it off. Yeah. Yeah, She's, like, calling him out. She's getting him off. She's stopping any further altercation. And she was suspended because she did that. And there's another cop in Seattle who, and I'm, Sorry, it gets me a little really worked up when I talk about this one. But there was another cop in Seattle who had detained somebody and his partner put his knee on the guy's neck. And, and this is in the last few days, right? Like this is yes, after this everything weekend. has started. Yes. 
Like, not the, that, you know, you wouldn't, if you were a normal human, you should know not to put your knee on someone else's neck. But I mean, yeah, in, like, in the current context it. of what's happening, it's like even more ridiculous that exactly. that was something that guy chose to do. Exactly. And like the cop, the guy that was putting the handcuffs on the guy, he didn't see his partner do that because he was like turned away. And then somebody yelled it out and because they were recording it. He's like, what the hell are you doing? He like pushes him off. That guy got suspended too for pushing him off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we see you. We, we both see you do like those actions which in those instances that's really great that there are there's a good cop doing something but but anyway that's a whole other subject but (laughs) we also can see if that person got suspended like we we know if this person gets fired or punished well we know we know in this country that it is fairly prevalent you know and it's it's almost analogous to impropriety in catholic church right where you know these people get caught doing things to the point where they can't deny it anymore So they get transferred to another area or they apply to another precinct in another state. And there's not uh, any kind of warning system in place or a, you know, kind of do not hire like blacklist. There's no such thing. It's not like being a sexual predator. Right. There's no, there's no, I mean, there's nothing to stop these people currently from just going somewhere else and doing it again. Even if they are, you know, disciplined where they, where they started. So it's really, they got fired. Like, okay, and? <laughs> and, yeah. And so it's it's disheartening. And that's why I think, you know, it is so frustrating for so many people, you know, when they say, oh, well, you know, my, my cousin so-and-so is a good cop. Well, what does being a good cop look like? Does it, is it just being responsible for your actions or is it being part of a system that's broken and participating in a system that's broken and that actively hurts people? Exactly. And if you're not doing anything to dismantle that, are you really a good cop? And I, I say that with, you know, love for people in, in my life. And I know you've got people that, you know, you and your life have had interactions with that work in those oh, arenas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know. Not even people that work in those arenas. I did post a status this week on Facebook saying, if you try to defend, if you try to take away from the situation that's currently going on by saying not all cops, like I'm going to delete and or block you. And mm. like I had a few, I had, a, a person who said, well, my mother-in-law is a cop, so you either are going to apologize or you can say goodbye. And I was like, okay, bye. Bye. Because I, first of all, sure, your mother-in-law is probably a great woman outside of being a cop. She probably makes the best casserole and the best pasta salad. Like, I don't fucking know. I don't know this woman. Like, she's still yeah. a part of a system that is inherently racist and built off the backs of slave catchers. So why do I need to apologize to her for choosing that career? Right. And why do I need to put up with you talking to me like this? There's no change we've seen yeah. in a meaningful way that would really change the reality of it at this time. Exactly. And again, I think it's it's really hard for some people that have gone into what they consider to be the public service of you know, being involved with police and being involved with, you know, agencies throughout the state that work with police, but saying, you know, hey, take a good long look at your involvement in some things that are really fucking broken. And if it's in your heart that you you think you're doing the right thing and you work with great people who make the right choices all the time, then great. You're a better person than me because I make the wrong choice all the time. And yeah. I just try to examine it and work with people that aren't perfect. And I 
try to have conversations with them where I can to make the place we work a better place. But yeah, progress isn't linear. If you're not having that critical conversation about your involvement in this, then that's on you. That's the thing. If you're just going to constantly say, well, so-and-so is a good person, so therefore they're a good cop and not all cops and your point is invalid, it's like that just diminishes so much, especially when that point is being said by a Black person who has had to watch everything else that we've had to watch, but also experience it themselves. Like, it's mind-boggling to me when, like, especially white people try to tell Black people how to feel in these moments and who not to blame and how to properly right. protest. Well, rioting doesn't answer anything. Why do we have a pride parade? Why do we have an eight hour work week? Why can women vote? Why aren't there slaves anymore? I don't know, but apparently it's not rioting or it's not. Apparently it was <laughs> definitely super peaceful and everyone just agreed to it. And Everybody helped There were hands. no bricks at Stonewall. There no. were no bricks at Stonewall. You know, the no things you thrown. see before your eyes are not the reality of what has happened in history, obviously. Right? We didn't have... Somebody didn't beat up... Oh, not Susan B. Anthony. Oh, man, I would have said that wrong. There, uh, it was in Lon- It was in London, but still the suffragette movement. These men went out and beat up this woman for trying to vote for parliament. But, you know, that was just... It was so peaceful, Caitlin. So peaceful. <laughs> obviously, so peaceful. all change comes from just peaceful conversations where... Yeah, like when a guy brings, have... a, brings a compound bow to a protest and says, All Lives Matter. So shouts peaceful. All Lives Matter before firing into the primarily black crowd. Yeah. He got tackled and his shit got torched, which was pretty funny. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Can't can't imagine it happening to a better person. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the thing. I mean, and if we really want to be pedantic about it, Colin Kaepernick was called a son of a bitch for taking a knee. That's the nicest um, thing he was called. And he's been, you know, blacklisted from, from football. Like, he's managed to, to still be a really important person for change and yeah. have some some sponsorships that have allowed him to continue making change in the community. Yeah, he's um, paying for a amazing, lot of people but... that have been arrested to get put on uh, to pay their bail. That's Yes. That's more yeah, than their legal fees most or celebrities yeah. I've seen. Like Yeah. And and so, you know, we know for a fact because we see with our eyes and hear with our ears that just a few years ago, we were, you know, blatantly told, oh, what what a disaster it is to have this man kneeling in a peaceful protest. What a what a horrifying thing. And then you've got Mike Pence, who notably during all of that time that happened with Colin Kaepernick post uh, Ferguson, he did a little tantrum at a college football game and, and left after there was a, a peaceful protest there. And he stormed out of Hamilton when the <laughs> cast the at the end of the um, show, after the show, made a... Yeah. a a speech directed towards him, you know, very kind. I've seen the video. I mean, it was a lot of us... it was peaceful, um. <laughs> right? It was it was very respectful. Even I would say it was better than he deserved. And he stormed out like a little tantrum baby. And just like yesterday or the day before, made a post saying, you know, we of course support peaceful protests. You know, really the problem is that these are violent protests, or these are not the I kinds guess. of protests that you should do. They're not peaceful to us, and. I don't feel you know, for peace. somebody for somebody that, you know, Twitter immediately two minutes later was like, this you, bud? And all these, you know, incidents <laughs> that happened in the last few years. It's just a reminder that, you know, it, it'll all be turned around and thrown in your face when it's appropriate, because this yeah. is silly. I mean, this is goofy as shit that like, well, who was 
doing anything when those peaceful protests were going on. All of these people that were very comfortable with the status quo that they were living in and could write it off because it wasn't something that was impacting their daily life mm-hmm. like a more intensive protest does. Yeah. Because guess what? I've got so people in my now. life. I've got people in my life that didn't talk about any of that stuff when Ferguson was going on because there wasn't as much protesting and stuff going on here. It ended much more quickly here. It was only like a day Um, or two, unfortunately. Right. And, you know, there were more of these peaceful protests that, you know, these, these, you know, kind of stay at home, you know, people posting like memes, you know, and art and, and you know what, nothing changed. And so, yeah, people are mad. People are pissed. And rioting is the, the language of the unheard. Martin and, Luther and, King, in case anybody ever thought that he was anti-rioting. You're wrong. <laughs> and the, the other piece of that being that, you know, it's funny, I've seen people say, you know, we need we need a Martin Luther King to really guide this generation. Well, he, he was assassinated. Yeah. And, uh, and when at he the died, time of his assassination, he was one of the most hated men in America, if not the most hated man in America. He had so a don't come at 75% me with that, you know. negative uh, rating by most, yeah. well, 75% of white America did not like him. And yeah, that's I mean, putting the, it the, nicely. The fuck out of here with, you right. know, oh, well, we need a Martin Luther King. Yeah, he was murdered yeah. for his, what he was trying to tell you guys. And when any black man tries to step up and do something peacefully, you shut him down and you get him fired from his job. And I don't know what that feels like to, like, the listener, listeners out there that are like that, but sorry. <laughs> like, we tried. They tried. This community tried for you, but apparently wasn't good enough. I know, like, there's people that aren't huge fans of Bernie Sanders, but he was one of the people that would go to restaurants and sit with his black friends at the bars and, like, sit there peacefully. He was dragged out by the cops. These people try things peacefully. They do. Like, people, like... Well, and what we've even seen in the last (laughs) few days, you know, speaking of political figures, is we have actually seen footage of joe biden down in delaware meeting with protesters and not necessarily like in the heart of the protest zones but talking to people and trying to find out their stories i don't think they i mean he's he's an old man he he, um you know he's, (laughs) he's trying his best i think you know honestly and like even something that's not necessarily anything that's going to be particularly he's not out there on the front lines you know pumping his fist or anything but you know he was listening to people's voices and stories and sitting with them and calling families and having meaningful conversations as opposed to donald trump who hid in the white house bunker over the weekend and turned off the lights at the white house the people's house which i mean i lived in dc for god near six years I never saw anything like it. I mean, yeah. seeing that picture of the lights out at the White House was just obscene. Well, now they're trying to gaslight us with that, too, because they're like, it happens every night. It that does happens not. every night. It's like, it does no. Not. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um. <laughs> Guess what? I have done many a Midnight Monument tour that ends with the White House, and I can tell you for a fact it does not. Yeah, exactly. It was horrifying to see where there are parts of the city that are actively on fire, and and that is how the White House has chosen to both literally and symbolically respond to the people of our country. I mean, that's just baffling to me. Before we started recording this evening, like an hour before, Trump actually did... Yeah, he didn't address in the Rose Garden saying that he's going to be doing the Insurgents Act. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he did this address 
insurrection. Well, let's let's insurrection. talk about let's yeah. talk about what happened in the hour leading up to that address in the Rose Garden, yes. right? Yeah. So in the hour before that, th- there were so the, the, the way the White House is set up, there's you know obviously the big fences, like you're you're not allowed to be like a civilian on the White House lawn, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, across the street is Lafayette Park, and so there's barricades all the way out to Lafayette Park to keep protesters even from like the street in front of the White House right now, like on Pennsylvania. So the protesters were all the way back in the park and peacefully protesting throughout the day today. And in the hour leading up to the Rose Garden address, police tear gassed it and pulled out the rubber bullets and cleared the park so that Trump could have a photo op at a nearby church where he held a Bible looking like a person who's never actually held a book in his life. I mean, uh, the picture it's is not very far odd. Off his brand. The picture is very odd, and my my favorite part is there was a sound clip. It was actually a video clip that had sound though, which I didn't expect because I heard I saw him posing with this Bible, and I just <laughs> at the, the, the image. It, at the <laughs> end sorry. of it, the reporter at the end of it, the reporter goes, "Is that your Bible, President Trump?" And he goes, "It's a Bible." <laughs> and then the clip, <laughs> the clip cuts, and I about lost my mind. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh like that. I just. But- <laughs> It's a Bible. Yeah, it sure is, bud. Um. It's a Bible. Yeah, I mean, it's just it. No the, shit. the fact that the, the, the park was cleared out violently yeah. for the sake of getting his precious little photo op and so that he could have his little Rose Garden address and not have, I mean, even, you, you wouldn't even be able to hear protesters, you oh. know, from that far out. More than However, likely, I like, did hear that the, when the reporter, it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I heard when the reporters were setting up, they could hear it. They were catching it on their audio when yeah. they were like doing their sound test, which I hope they saved that to use yeah. later. Yeah, I mean, it was effectively pushed back a couple blocks. I imagine you, yeah, you probably depending on like the way the sound was carrying, right? Probably hear it, but just the fact that it was just so ridiculous and again such I an laugh, insult but... to the office. It's an insult to. The American people, and the, yeah, the this insurgency act that he's throwing out there, basically making it so. And and I think we've talked about this before. Like Antifa is just literally just anti-fascism. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not an organization. It's not even an organization that's loosely associated with some, something like Black Lives Matter. Right. It's yeah. Literally not an organization. Yeah. It's 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 an ethos. It's you know something also, to. It's a philosophy where you don't supports fascism that's literally right. it that's it and so for trump to say i'm going to you know make it a, a terrorist group to be antifa it's like basically coming out and saying like doing the soft part loud and saying yeah like anybody who's against me is my enemy and therefore an enemy of the state which right. is a disaster that also, is so real bad <laughs> in five days will be it'll be the anniversary of one of America's biggest contributions to anti-fascism, like Antifa, which is D-Day. Yeah. It'll be 74 years (laughs) since D-Day, where we stormed the beach of Normandy in order to fight fascism. But sure, Antifa is somehow terrorists and not Proud Boys who are Nazis. No, they're good Or the KKK. There's some very good people, Trisha. On both sides. On both sides. Both sides. Both sides. Yeah. With their little tiki torches and their goddamn shitty khakis from Old Navy. fucking polos. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, like, again, another dichotomy here is that he called the people that were protesting stay-at-home orders with guns and no masks and no sort of protection of any kind other than their ARs. Good, honest people who just want to get back to work, but... Well, Lord knows you need a rocket launcher to go to Subway. I mean, how many... 
How many? How else are you supposed to get meatballs? In... How many footlongs can you fit into a rocket launcher? Right. <laughs> For real. Uh, but I mean, like, that's that's the kind of I mean, we're, he, we're spiraling a little because a little I mean, but literally, yeah, he called the protesters. We were, Right, we were uh, a little thugs. caught off guard by this happening right yes. before we went in to record. Yes. So we haven't really processed what any of that means to us yet, right. other than it's ridiculous. Other than we're going into a, a, a civil war. Like, I don't know what else to think anymore. Like, right. I'm going to start start working out more just so I can punch fascists in the face, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, we got to <laughs> Sarah Connor up, man. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the workout plan. Exactly. You know, and I, I think <laughs> as we go into this week and we figure out, you know, how the hell to be useful human beings who are not, you know, A, stepping on the Black Lives Matter movement, but supporting it and being uh, the good allies that we we strive to be, but also understanding that the situation is rapidly escalating and that we need to make sure that we're keeping up with what we can do to keep people safe. And this is all... Like I said, this is all about the evolving so rapidly that I don't even know what the next steps are yet today. We're going to have to just take it one day at a time. And I think that's true for, for not just us, but for a lot of people who are taking all of this in. You know, I think we, you and I talked before we, we went on air, but, you know, call out some some racism that you see in your daily life. You know, that racist standout in Topeka, like, if you if you talk to her... You have to do so with the understanding that you you have a moral and ethical responsibility to call out the shit you see. Exactly. It letting is that never slide and be saying, "Oh, it's just my my aunt Susie. She's always like that. You know, she's from she's from Texas. You know, she's you know been raised this way. You know, that's just who she is." Well, like we got to put it out there and we got to have the conversation because, like we said, this is all escalating so quickly and showing us that we don't have time anymore to not do things in necessarily an incompassionate way or uncompassionate way, but using our compassion for change, which is uncomfortable and hurts, but ultimately is, is what needs to happen because otherwise you're not making impactful change. Exactly. And nothing that's comfortable, nothing that is important rather that needs to be changed will ever be comfortable. Change is not comfortable. It sucks too to realize like, A, you might be wrong on something and B, you might actually have to tell somebody else they're wrong with something, which a lot of people are afraid of conflict. But again, nothing changes without it. And your discomfort in five, 10 minute long conversation could maybe hopefully potentially down the line actually save somebody's life. Because then we won't have the Amy Coopers of the world that yeah. think that they can talk about people and and, and maybe identify it's the first time like that. that person has heard that feedback, and maybe it's the fiftieth. Yeah. But you know, your responsibility is to to make an effort. That's true, and I mean, if if it is the fiftieth time you're telling this person, then also don't forget for your own mental health that it might not be worth it, and you, you might know, need to reevaluate your relate your your relationship with that person. Exactly, and. That also is uncomfortable and sucks, but you have to do what's best for you and for the people that are close to you that would be affected that way. And whether that means talking to them every single Thanksgiving dinner saying, hey, you can't say stuff like that. It's not okay. And it's harmful. Maybe Thanksgiving doesn't happen that year. Maybe Thanksgiving doesn't happen. Maybe you start having a Friendsgiving with the people that matter to you the most with the family that you've made. And again uncomfortable but you got to do what's best for you and your loved ones in the long run yeah and not be racist I mean, so <laughs> exactly so you know i think that's kind of our just parting 
statement at the end of this episode. Like we talked about at the very beginning, at the top of the hour, this is not an easy set of topics. It's not something that has any easy answers, but we hope that, you know, listening to us and talking with us and checking in every week makes you think about some of the options you have to be a productive member of society in a quarantine time when otherwise there sometimes are voids of things to do. And you know what you can do? You can actually take an active role in some of these uh, stands for justice and find out what that, that action looks like for you, but making that part of something you're doing to make the world a little bit better of a place. Trisha, anything else before we sign off? You know, I don't think I could put it much better than what you said. Uh, I'll just add, again, the constant message that we've been saying since the beginning of this, but now it's like really hitting home. Be a good person. Take care of your fellow man. Take care of your health. Wear a mask. Uh, now, wear a goddamn not a, mask. Wear a goddamn mask because there's a there's a pandemic going on. Just be a good person because I'm tired of crying. Anywho. <laughs> well, we're gonna go. We're gonna go eat some ice cream. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> God, this uh, week has been a nightmare. Yes. So, we'll have yeah, links for that... our resources, uh, both the website we've mentioned and the books we've mentioned um, on our Twitter and our link tree and our Instagram. So please keep an eye out for that. Too. Absolutely. So again, thank you guys for, for listening with us and hanging out across the fence. Yeah. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.